the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Ron Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money invested in more. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, I was traveling yesterday, so I'm back, biggity, biggity, biggity back like that. Uh, Sorry if I disappointed on being out of town. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Been interesting in August, and today is one of those days where it even gets a little bit more interesting. Why do I say that? Um, Philip Morris is getting back together with Altria. I know you're saying I thought they would never get back together. No <laughs> way! Go. No way! They're back together. It's all about Jewel and vaping. That's what the analysts are saying. It just happened, so tough to really put my thoughts into words about it. Johnson Johnson in the news. They're trading up, even though the headline is pretty tough on them. Oklahoma judge, basically for the state's opioid crisis, uh, the judge is going against Johnson Johnson and saying they did some bad stuff. But the silver lining for investors on the opioid content, uh, situation with Johnson Johnson, $572 million judgment. Some people thought that was at the low end of the analyst expectations, as well as below the $17 billion the state was seeking. We got Johnson & Johnson in the news for opioids. You get James Smucker in the news. Takes a good man to make a tough jelly. I don't even know. That's I don't know who said that. I don't think anyone did. They said fiscal first quarter earning estimates were, were short, and they're lowering twenty twenty. It's fun to say twenty twenty, isn't it? Fun to say twenty twenty. Uh, Papa John's 
They named Arby's restaurant Rob Lynch. President from uh, President, I'm President Rob Lynch. Vote for me for president of Arby's. He's a new CEO. Congratulations to Rob Lynch on that. He's going to bring a roast beef sandwich to everyone who ordered a Papa John's pizza. And that's all I got. The market continues to take some uh, solace right now in the, um, how shall we say, the G7 version of Donald Trump. That's not treat, tweet storming. Uh, he's he's kind of like taking a, a softer tone with China. So markets go, woohoo, I'll take solace in that. Huge. Um, elsewhere in the news, home prices, home prices. Don't they always go up? My realtor said real estate always goes up. Home prices slowed for the 15th straight month. The index of national home prices posted a 3.1% year-over-year increase in June. SP 500 up 20%. Nanny, nanny, nanny. Um, so the year-over-year is still good. The month-to-month is slowing. So... That'll make next year's year over year potentially into negative prices. Home price gain momentum's continue to trend down, but maybe level enough to a more sustainable level is the thought. The average year over year gain declined to three percent, down from three point one percent the previous month. Um, the NAR, the National Association of Realtors, NAR. Who do you work for? I'm a president of NAR. Um, they basically um, said that existing home sales rose 2.5%. So housing's okay. It's not something to get super excited about right now. As far as performance goes, the 20 city composite was led by Phoenix. Um, so cities that Phoenix and Vegas were the two most uh, saw the most sales gains. Now, what's I tell you? Do you remember Sam Kennison? <laughs> and he's talking about uh, people in Ethiopia starving to death. And he said, move! It's a desert! It's a desert! Move! So, it probably, he did it better than I. But um, Vegas and Phoenix, kind of, they're in deserts. You can build a lot of real estate there. Cheap real estate. Man, I would not want to live in Phoenix or Vegas. I tell you what, uh, the heat would kill me. So the bottom three cities, as far as home gains, price gains go, Seattle, San Francisco, and San Diego. Doesn't tell you, like, there's a little bit of cooling off in the very hot, hot big cities from the past. That makes me think, back in the good old days, I made bacon. Oh, a cooling off, I got it. Get this bit, little bit of disgusting. You're not going to get this out of your mouth. For a long time, as far as thoughts go. KFC is testing plant-based Beyond Fried Chicken. Woo-hoo! Um, the whole Beyond Meat thing, they, they did more than just hamburger patties. They did chicken, too. So, the chicken sandwich wars. We keep hearing about who's better. KFC, chicken sandwich. Uh, Chick-fil-A, chicken sandwich. Or the brand new... Uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich. Everyone's going crazy over the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I don't get it. It's just a chicken sandwich. And if you, you get angry when I say it's just a chicken sandwich, you need to change your life. 
What are you, not Chucky Fried Chicken? Fried Chicken said they became the first national food chain to introduce a plant-based chicken in partnership with Beyond Meat. Yay! This, this day has been long coming. The chicken chain, Kentucky Fried Chicken, which if you ever go in there, I don't even think you can call that chicken. So maybe this is, uh, you know, they got two meat alternatives now. The Beyond Fried Chicken, um, they're basically um, just rolling them out now at um, a lot of uh, locations. So they're going to do things like boneless wings and chicken sandwiches and what have you. When it's deep fried, it's deep fried. Everything tastes about the same deep fried, right? So um, the demand for plant-based foods continues to march on. It continues to grab headlines. Don, don, don. Again, Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> one, of the more, one of the funniest things I ever saw. The United States was kind of in a trade war thing. They were a little tense with China a couple of years ago. And China loves Kentucky Fried Chicken. People get married at Kentucky Fried Chickens in China. I know you're saying, people get married at Kentucky Fried Chickens in China? That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's crazy, right? But uh, someone uh, showed a picture of an eight-legged chicken. <laughs> saying this is what uh, China gets all their uh, chicken from. Uh, yeah, I'll just drop it. Roku's growing faster. More and more people are dropping out of cable TV. And the cable TV companies really seem not to care about it because the margins are so low. So they're saying, that's, that's fine. We'll just do a streaming package and we'll make more money. Roku is going to have 80 million active accounts by 2025. So that's still the way to play. And with D23 at D23, which is like, how shall we say, Comic-Con has nerds. D23 is, is, is Disney for nerds. And they started giving away subscriptions to Disney Plus, um, you know, for the D23 nerders. So they got like a real good three-year deal. Anyway, um, long story short, this is coming, the Cable Wars. Get ready. You need to choose a side. Are you going to be on the north? Are you going to be on the south? Or maybe this will be the east or the west. I don't know. But a fight is coming. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I'll get Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Another curve inversion to warn you of. Curve inversion worsens long-term rates fall. 30-year bond yields less than 2%. Uh, you don't get a lot of money by saving it. It's one of the ways that our system encourages you to say, I need to chase performance or yield. When the IOUs of the world, which have a much better, consistent um, safety net per se under them, Someone writes you an IOU, it's a bond, it's a treasury. The United States, every time we've ever borrowed money, we need to go to war, we need to borrow money. 
we always pay that money back. So we do pay attention to debt. The lower the yield, um, the more it encourages you to say, maybe I should go after corporate bonds, riskier than treasury bonds. And no, you don't like that? Okay, then you go, well, maybe I should go after, maybe I should up my 401k finally. And it's like, ding, 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 ding. That's not a bad way to go. So Philip Morris International has confirmed that it's in merger talks with Altria. Interesting one. All stock merger of equals, even though the companies have vastly different valuations. Philip Morris was a much bigger company than Altria. Um, so a lot of people think this is because of Philip Morris has made a big bet on the ICOS IQOS device that heats tobacco rather than burns it. Companies already introduced it in dozens of countries around the world, and it's bringing it to the United States next month. Heated tobacco and vaping and all that going on. One of those companies, I think it's Altria, has got a investment in a marijuana company. So throwing that out at you. Let's bring uh, to a moment. Sticky icky for his glaucoma. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's do a moment of silence and bring in CFP Chad Burton. See what his take is in the financial planning world. Chad? Now, certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Let's welcome in certified financial planner, Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And he is a certified financial planner, which is different than a stockbroker, which is different than... Um, you know, an investment advisor, it's different than a certified retirement specialist, which is a made up title. The only title I care about is a CFP. Let's talk withdrawal. Mm -hmm. Let's talk pulling money out withdrawal methods. Um, if you don't want to make a baby, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about pulling money out of (laughs) retirement. Um, you're, you got this nest egg. What's the concept that we need to know on how to pull money out so that the rate, we don't burn too much too fast. Well, the first idea is getting an, knowing whether or not you're you're withdrawing too much. Right. If you're 50 years old and you're having to draw 4% of your portfolio to live and you think you can stay retired, you can't. You have potentially 50 years worth of inflation. So if you're drawing $50,000 a year now, in 18 to 20 years, you're going to have to live, draw $100,000 a year to live. And with muted returns in the, in the bond side, with very low income on bonds, you're going to run into problems. So, you know, 65, if you can draw 4% of your portfolio to live, you're going to be okay. More than that, you're going to run into some problems, which means that means that you're not going to be able to keep up with inflation. How realistic is it that I never touch my principal and I just live off my dividends? If you can retire at 65 and and comfortably have, you know, 2% of your portfolio to live and then that starts the draw rate. So eventually you're going to have, you know, be pulling you know, all of your income. Yeah. So if you're only pulling two or 3%, that means the majority of your returns can be reinvested for future inflation. Um, and in the past you could just, if you were that type of a wealthy person, you could just turn around and put all your money in treasuries. Now that's not the case. Treasuries are at a historical low in terms of yield. And so there's almost more risk there than having a mix of stocks and bonds. How often do you recommend people search for higher yield, knowing that they're going to compromise on credit quality and or compromise on uh, equity smoothness or uh, what am I trying to say? Principal uh, risk. Well, what you look at is credit spreads. 
Okay. So the times where you're going to look at compromising or taking a little bit more risk and going for that higher yield, and an example of this is you look in March of 2009 where all bonds were thrown out with the stock market. I mean, the bond market got crushed for a short period of time. And the spreads between AAA-rated debt and government debt versus high-yield debt was at an all-time high. And within a year or two, you had you know 15 to 30% rates of return on high-yield bond funds. Um, so when the credit spreads between high-quality bonds and high-yield bonds is at a historical high or higher than the 10-year average, that's when you move money into those categories. The problem is right now that I think a lot of people are moving into way too much into preferred stocks with financial companies. Um, they're moving into uh, high dividend paying stocks that are directly tied to interest rates. And they're searching for that yield to replace bonds and replacing it with very volatile assets. How about protection from inflation? You can truly never protect yourself from inflation, even with Treasury inflation-protected securities, because different types of inflations occur. You know, tips only protect you against consumer inflation, sort of. Yeah, it's kind of the CPIU. CPI. Yeah. Whereas senior citizens, their inflation is more tied towards healthcare costs, which is higher than the CPI, typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 5 to 6%. So can you truly protect yourself against inflation with your principal, or is that just a fantasy? In theory, okay. you can. By um, In terms of, if you look at an overall bond portfolio... You typically want some corporate bonds, a mix of you know high quality and a, a mix of a little bit of high yield in there when you're retired. On the government bond side, you want basic government bonds, and those come in the forms of treasuries or TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Bonds, where the face value of the bond gets adjusted upward if there is inflation. Um, and uh, Ginny Mays, for example. But then of your bond portfolio, you want a good percentage of that too in foreign bonds. And this is something we talk about because if you're earning interest rate, if you're earning interest in other currencies' bonds, or other countries' bonds, and their currency, and your dollar's falling, once you move that currency back into U.S. currency, you get that extra boost from the, the exchange rates. So by being with a good foreign bond manager, and they're focusing on countries that have an increasing currency versus the U.S. dollar, that's a, that's a hedge against inflation as well. And then investing also in things like you know energy stocks that pay a nice dividend. That's another way to do it. So in theory, you can, but we're, we're, we're coming into a time, Rob, where 10 years ago, nobody was investing in commodities. And the correlation was almost negative to the stock market. So, you know, if stocks were down, typically commodities would be up kind of like with bonds. Now everything, real estate used to be that way as well. Now both real estate and commodities have gone closer to a correlation with the stock market. So really to really hedge against the bad times, you still need that three years worth of expenses and cash in retirement. Any final thoughts on taking capital gains as an investment strategy as far mm-hmm. as pulling down your uh, principal? Yeah, because what you have to do when you, uh, you know, five years prior to retirement, you need to look forward and say, how much am I going to have to draw from my portfolio every year? So here's my experience. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Interesting month of August, to say the least, on Wall Street. It's had a lot of highs. It's had a lot of lows. It's had a lot of dramas with the presidential's tweet storms, as they're now starting to be referred to. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com to talk about the month of August and what we're seeing in the markets going forward. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing okay. Thanks. So you're back to school, or at least I think you're back to school in the family, and uh, things are starting to settle down. Uh, is that what we can expect from Wall Street now? We're back to business? Yeah, well, I hope so. You know, and in terms of your lead-in, talking about you know August being a uh, a, a challenging month with a lot going on, um, you know, kind of reminds me in many respects just you know how it's been all year. Certainly, as it relates to the um, the political landscape and the policy uncertainty, and and yet we continue to climb the wall of uncertainty through it all. Um, so yeah, we've had a little bit of a backup, obviously, here in August. Um, things seem to be getting uh, even more uncertain, uh, and uh, and I think the market is is adjusting for that uh, uncertainty because it's finding some reasons to to question the viability of those earnings estimates for the back half of this year and the early part of 2020. Uh, you know, due in large part to um, uh, you know to the trade uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something called the wall of worry. We don't talk too much about that, you and I. I'm typically a little bit more focused on um, you know, earnings and day-to-day activity. But a uh, wall of worry, you mentioned that we're climbing a wall of worry. There's always kind of going to be a wall of worry. Is that not true? It's high oil or low oil or high inflation or low inflation or is housing too expensive or college going to you know bankrupt America? There's always a wall of worry. Is that something you're good with? Uh, Give us a little bit more on that if you can. Well, it's very true, Rob. I mean, there is always a wall of worry. You can always find something something to worry about. And, you know, what the market does, um, you know, reasonably well, really, is is discount uh, you know, and handicap those 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 probabilities of you know what might ultimately come to fruition in a very bad or even a very good sense. And you know, in the market's mind this year, <clears throat> it's been able to climb that wall of worry because it's had its hopes resting on this notion that you know the Federal Reserve and other central banks are going to ride to the rescue with very low policy rates. But we think what's happening here in terms of why you're seeing greater volatility in the month of August than we've seen, you know, throughout most of the year is is that the market is is starting to, you know, question whether uh, the Fed can, you know, can offer that uh, that rescue by simply lowering the, you know, the target range for the Fed funds rate. Uh, and uh, and I think those doubts are creeping in that perhaps the Fed is, you know, really just pushing on a string at this juncture based on the experience uh, and the history that we've seen unfold in, in Japan uh, and based on what we see unfolding in Europe right now, despite, uh, you know, a multi-year period of negative interest rates there, uh, asset purchases as well. And, and now the uh, the continued plunge in uh, sovereign bond yields there uh, that speak to really a very poor you know long term outlook. Changing perspectives ever so slightly, let me ask you to wear your judge and jury hat real quick. Johnson Johnson got hit with an opi- opioid. For some reason, I always say opioid um, judgment. Hey, what's the talk around briefing dot com as far as? big judgments against companies because 
there seems to be a lot of litigation these days that are very headline driven, whether it's asbestos, opioids, or uh, even vaping has a lot of litigation right now. Well, it's, a, it's certainly a tough issue. You know, the opioid crisis is 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 a tragedy, uh, and you know, in terms of uh, assigning ultimate liability, it probably doesn't just rest with one company. Uh, you know, to be frank, I mean, it boils down. You know, ultimately, you know, you got to have people writing prescriptions and and you know, and all of that. But um, but yeah, the the judge did find that you know Johnson Johnson was you know deceptive in its marketing practices and uh and the but the impetus for the stock today and the way that you know this market you know again going back to how you can climb a wall of worry whether it's in a broader market standpoint or for an individual company um you know uh, the judgment was was quite low relative to expectations a 572 million dollar judgment against what the stake was seeking upwards of 17 billion dollars and uh, i saw the report where analysts uh, covering Johnson Johnson expected somewhere more than like in the neighborhood of five hundred million to five billion dollars, and so so you're even on the low end of analyst expectations, and so you've seen the stock move up on that because it's really more of a relief trade, um, but their problems have not gone away um, with this this one ruling. Um, there's another big suit, from what I understand, that's you know coming to the fore in, in Ohio, uh, and just in general though. Johnson and Johnson, like many of its peers, <clears throat> is, are, are facing a you know a number of issues that can make multiple expansion difficult to come by. You know, not the least of which is this you know political push into the election year uh, in trying to get drug and healthcare costs down. So, kind of just have this this pall hanging over the the healthcare sector as a whole, which has been reflected in its uh, its underperformance um, throughout uh, what has been otherwise a very good year for the stock market. I got to ask you one more, and you're giving me great long answers, but catch your breath a little bit if you can. Uh, Johnson Johnson, we've hit that one. We've hit you know overall market tone. We've hit the wall of worry. All good stuff. Let's do the, the final one that just obviously is um, out there in, in talk mergers and acquisitions. Philip Morris buying Altria. A little bit of, not of a shocker because there's been rumors about it, but it's odd when they uh, went through so much trouble to break up to get back together again. It seems just like that couple that you don't want to meet. They just met again. <laughs> they did. Uh, and it goes, <clears throat> I guess, you know, in real life, you know, sometimes, you know, see those divorcees get back together again too um but you know i think what it really ultimately speaks to is 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 the challenges confronting the tobacco industry you know you have the rise of e-cigarettes to the legalization of marijuana to anti-smoking campaigns and um and you have these two companies that probably are considering you know uh <clears throat> that they're in a better position to tackle those challenges uh as one company again that provides greater scale and more cost efficiencies um and uh but you can you can see uh, uh the market's concerns about the challenges for the tobacco industry that are reflected in the discount evaluations for both of those companies uh on a standalone basis um so uh it's definitely an interesting news development and um, you know, we'll just have to see what unfolds here. There's no assurance that it's going to happen, but it's uh, certainly a, a newsworthy item. Big time newsworthy. Uh, thanks for the call. Thanks for the information. Uh, always appreciate it. Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a great source of non-biased international and domestic information on the stock markets. I start my day every day with their page one. 
Um, 800-516-1220. little bit tired today. Um, flight got in after midnight, so work with me on that. Disney and Target announced that they're going to do 25 Disney shops inside of Target stores, ultimately by October. Man, the good news just keeps hitting for Disney now. But this isn't a new, 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 new concept. But stores inside stores is a pretty interesting one if you haven't really picked up on it. Uh, Ron Johnson, famously, who helped kind of the retail push out uh, before Angela Earhart's at Apple. Ron Johnson, famous for the Apple Store. Steve Jobs gets credit, but he was Johnson was the developer, so to speak. Um, he went to J.C. Penney's and he was going to try to save him. He was going to do a store inside of a store, ten little stores. So you'd have a Levi section. Um, you'd have an iPhone or an Apple comp- uh, one. Maybe a Samsung would be next to it. Um, and it was. Johnson's way of saying, okay, we're going to do 10 of these in every um, JCPenney's, and it'll be kind of a destination. So Target making a relationship with Disney, that's a win-win situation for both of them. Obviously, Target has benefited from the foot traffic of people shopping for toys with the death of Toys R Us. Sorry, Jeffrey. So, but, so the Death of Toys R Us has kind of opened the door for more foot traffic to be going through Target. And Disney likes selling a lot of little uh, lines, right? We have little lines. We have cars. Uh, it's the first shop in a shop location for these two. It's going to open October 4th. It's going to start. Um, and it's interesting because the guy who runs Disney's parks, his name is Bob Chepik. He goes, our fans are always telling us they want more Disney. <laughs> so you're getting more Disney footprint inside of a Target store. And again, Target, if you looked at their their their, their quarter last uh, quarter, holy mackerel. It was a good quarter. Nice work. Um, their stock moved 19 to 20% the next day. And I will tell you, without a merger and acquisition, yeah, you don't see that very often. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, stock market, Philip Morris getting back together with Altria. That's probably a little bit more about Altria's success with vaping and Altria's success with marijuana. Um, we all know smoking causes cancer, right? I'll just say that one more time. We all know smoking causes cancer, right? Right? Oh, God. Ah, we can get a break here. Check check back in with me a little later. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, 800-516-1220. Through the tripwires in your head, through the seven layers. Filtered over the transom That a villain ended up with a part Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW Life is good, you look around and think 
Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. Um, don't be shy. Big story of the day, obviously, Philip Morris trying to get back together with Altria. There's a lot of vaping, a lot of um, distribution relationships there. And um, it's just odd that it's a merger of equals because Philip Morris is so much bigger than Altria, but I guess it is what it is. Walmart has unboxed a massive holiday toy list. Oh, boy. Mickey? Are you with me or against me on that one? It's August 27th, which means summer is just about over. Right? And now we've already got our hearts and our bellies full of Starbucks pumpkin spice latte. So Walmart says, let's chop the gun. They've evoked um, the hottest toy list for the holidays. 48 toys. It's a bigger list than ever before. How do you get kids to go crazy and want, want to come to your store? You come out with a list of toys. How do you make more come out the next year? You make more toys on the list available. It's 130% true. I know. I know. My math is so good. I'm 120% better today than yesterday. Walmart's going to increase its exclusive toy offerings in stores and online by 25%. Basically, they got all these little kids that were called kid influencers. Oh, I don't even... If I, if I have to learn that Walmart is paying kids to be the influencers... Hey, Daddy, I want to open a new truck. Look, I got it at Target. I don't need kid influencers making millions of dollars. That makes me angry. Amongst the highest paid YouTube stars. Oh, no. With more than 21.3 million channel subscribers, there's a kid named Ryan. Ryan's Toys Reviews. So Walmart sends him these toys, and he reviews them, and kids want them. What a, what a racket. I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, my, my, my. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, mean, I may have to stop the show and just boycott for years to come. Oklahoma opioid ruling gives green light for other lawsuits. So on one hand, it's good news. The demon known. Johnson Johnson learned $572 million state of Oklahoma. Now you can start extrapolating what settlements might come from other states. Yeah, I don't. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know enough about the opioid crisis. And I feel a little ignorant. And I, I'm sorry about that. Um, but with that being said, uh, I also I don't play the investment angle of companies that are settling lawsuits. That's a little too creepy for me. Keep keep in mind I'm, I'm creepy, but I'm not creepy like that. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, another good day on Wall Street. That's you know worthy of mentioning that we got through a weekend. The G7 didn't sound like it went terribly well for Trump. From the headlines that came out, it sounds like uh, the G7 wanted to focus on environmental issues and Trump wanted to focus on tariffs or something. I'm not really quite smart enough to figure that out, but you get the idea. Analyst over at Guggenheim has gotten bullish on the shares of Lyft, L-Y-F-T. There's less, I'm not going to say no, no, no. There's less risk. 
there's a different type of risk in a company like Lyft now than ever before. They're starting to get away from their their IPO risk, which is uh, analysts upgrading or downgrading shortly after expectations of people wanting to have the IPO go from forty to four thousand. Once those have kind of been squashed and it didn't happen, you can kind of get rid of those people a little bit. Uh, Lift shares today opened lower. That was even though Guggenheim upgraded the right-hailing company to buy. Move comes four months after the firm initiated as neutral following its highly anticipated IPO. Um, you know, it's kind of strangely refreshing. I know you're saying... You went to L.A. for a day, didn't you? I went to L.A. for a day. Um, I didn't have a phone. My phone blew up. But it won't restore. Like, it's dead, dead. So I haven't had a phone for two days. And uh, you go to L.A. and you're like, hey, I'm going to call an Oh, I can't call an Uber. So he's like, let's see if I can find the old-fashioned taxis. Taxi, old Taxi. And he was there, so and, uh, he had nothing nice to say about Uber or Lyft. Uh, do, you, do you remember going into L.A.? And there used to be this crazy line of taxis. It was a lot like going into Las Vegas. You just see taxi after taxi after taxi after taxi. There was three. There was three. That's all I got for you. So anyway, one analyst is saying that um, Lyft is a $60 stock. Underlying our upgrade and revisions is a simple idea. We all underestimated how quickly the competitive mindset might shift under public ownership and how much leverage there is in the model to pricing. So Uber is focused on other initiatives. So there's more competition now in the ride-hailing space, and there's leverage. Uh, Ubers and Lyfts aren't shit. Uh, Ubers and Lyfts don't feel as dirt cheap as they once did. So one analyst has a $72 price target on Lyft. Just throwing that out there for you. I own no shares of Lyft unless I own it in like an ETF or something like as a diversified index. So that's out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Brazil rejected a $20 million donation from the G7 to fight the Amazon fires. Calling the gesture colonialists and imperialists. Well then, that's happy news to end on. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I just don't Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.